Welcome back to another edition. Actually, we're going to say this is a special edition of the No Further Comments podcast, a.k.a. the NFC. I'm your co-host, Alex Meacham, and to my left the is left. the talented, usually pinless, usually pinless, snap, chatless. I don't mess with the snap. You don't mess with the snap. Local fashion icon. That's right. Glenn Riley. Let them know. What it do? Taking it easy, man. Been a hiatus, but but we're back again. We are back again. It's been a while. Week of March 3rd. This is a special edition because we have a special guest for this podcast, Glenn. We have a special guest. Very special guest. And we don't have guests very often. We don't. So that means he's super special. And I reached out to him about being on our podcast because of his story. Okay. I think he's got a unique story, and I think a lot of our listeners will love it. Originally from Monrovia, California. You know where that is, Glenn? Uh, it's near Monrovia. We will, <laughs> learn, we will learn more about where that's from and, and, and everything here in a second. Played in the 1992 NCAA Final Four game. Was the 25th overall pick by the Chicago Bulls in 1993's NBA draft. Played 11 total seasons in the NBA. And one of the greatest to ever wear the Bearcat red and black, number 44, Corey Blunt. What's going on, Corey? Man, I might need to record that intro, man. <laughs> Making me feel like I did something with my you, life, man. You, How you doing, yeah, man? <laughs> doing well. You did do something. I appreciate that. Appreciate tell, that. tell us quickly about... Monrovia. Is that, am I saying it correctly? Monrovia, California, not Monrovia, Africa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I get that sometimes. Like some people see a tall black dude walking through the airport and say, "Man, where you from?" I tell them Monrovia, and they're like, "Oh, you from Africa?" Like, nah, this Monrovia is in Southern California, about Southern 12, Kenya, about thirty, <laughs> about 30 minutes from Los Angeles, about 10, 15 minute drive to Arcadia and Pasadena. So we're right in the Right in the crust of the San, San, Gabriel, San Gabriel Valley. Uh, mountains. Mountains. You can yep. see the mountains. I, I grew up seeing the mountains, uh, seeing the good weather. You know, it was just a lovely place uh, for a while. You know, of course, a lot of individuals migrated from Los Angeles to Monrovia, and it kind of okay. changed the, the culture of it. But, hey, I, I love it, still represented, and that was the, the place for me ever since I was a little guy. And you went to Monrovia High School. Went to Monrovia High School. Tell us about your high school basketball career. Oh, man. Well, I didn't play until my realistically till my senior year. Uh, didn't play my freshman and sophomore year. Ended up trying out my junior year. And Now, why didn't you play the first two years? You know what? I just never knew about organized basketball. I okay. Mean, I would play at lunchtime. That's how we used to play. I don't know if kids even do that anymore, but we played at lunchtime. And I wasn't one of the best players. You know, I was long, linky, and how tall were you around? About six four. Okay. Six, four floating around. Okay. Well, you weren't like 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 dumb tall where they were just like, no, yo, you, nah, you got to be okay. Nah, I was about six four, long, skinny, a little uncoordinated. You know. Okay. Uh, wasn't never one the first one chosen. One, you know, that typical story that you seem to hear. Right. Some guys who say I need to do something about this and end up becoming pretty good and and that was me, man. I didn't I didn't get picked up to play pick up ball. I was usually like the last one picked sometime, but I played hard and just never was a score, you know, and everybody wanted you to score the ball at six four, you the tallest right. and skinniest guy out there. So just never uh grew up raised by my great grandmother, so sports never really wasn't something that was kind of introduced or, or part of our life anyway. So it was just go to school and I would just hoop at lunchtime, man, point blank, and never play. Like I said, didn't play my freshman year. 
and play my sophomore year and decided to go out my junior year. Mm-hmm. Went and talked to the coach and said, man, I want to play. You know, I, I've been playing with all these guys who had been playing, and they started getting pretty good. So he allowed me to come play, try out for the team. And the first time I tried out, we were going to Watts, California. Back then it was they had a, a tournament called the Summer Watts Game. Okay. And that's when all the schools in California kind of come together, come to Watts, California, play like an Olympic style where they play basketball, volleyball, and, you know, just play against okay. different teams. And first where, game, would they, where would they do that? Uh, well, the basketball, they play a volleyball in Watts? Yeah, the, the <laughs> basketball was in, in Watts, like at uh, Watts High School. I don't remember Jordan, you know, those kind yeah, of yeah, schools yeah. over yep. there. Okay. Yep. And uh, we, my first game, I'll never forget it, man. Uh, my guys was telling me we drew Pomona High School. Okay. And so one of my team guys on the team said, man, they got a kid named Tank Collins, man. He's a beast. Shout out to Tank Collins. Tank Collins. <laughs> man, changed my life. Because I'm thinking, now you hear a name like Tank, you like, oh, man, this dude probably 6'9". <laughs> Problem. Built like Barkley, you right, know what right. I'm saying? So I'm up there. And I was a comedian back then. You know, that's one thing I was known for was we called it crumbing and bagging. I don't know what y'all would even call that, probably. Uh, Joning or. Yeah, blasting. Blasting. Capping. 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 Cap- 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 yeah. yeah. So <laughs> in order for me to really hide my fear, I started capping. You know right, what I mean? Right, The team walked in, and I'm looking for it. I'm like, man, I know, hey, that ain't Tank right there. They, then I see this big fat dude walk in, and they're like, that's Tank right there. I'm like, him? I said, oh, man, I was worried for no reason. Man, I'm going to kill that fat dude. Right, right. <laughs> well, make a long story short. Tank had about 24 points, 12 rebounds, blocked about five of my shots, dunked on me twice. I fouled out with about six points. Boy. So we was uh, after the game, you know, coach took everybody out to eat and mm-hmm. told me, well, Corey, since you run your mouth, I'm sure not going to spend my money and put nothing in there. So you sit in the van while we go and eat. <laughs> oh, True wow. story. Jesus. So I was like, well, <laughs> like I say, I was defending. I'm like, well, I didn't want to play for you anyway. So. That was it for my junior year. That'd be, that'd be a lawsuit today. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, man. man, I would have walked home, but we was in Watts, California, so <laughs> I wasn't getting ready to happen. Mm-hmm. All my boys laughed, and then I, I quit. I'm like, man, I didn't want to play for him anyway. Can't go tell my grandmother I was done. So uh-huh. went back to playing at lunchtime, and the following year, a new coach came and kind of sold me on, man, it's a new era. I'm doing things differently, and we can use you this year. We letting players eat. Yeah. <laughs> 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 basically, basically, and man, that, that changed my whole life right there, man. Yeah. I ended up playing my senior year, was the second leading scorer and the leading rebounder on that team. And How tall were you at that point? 6'6". Six, six. Okay. That made a difference. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. right. That made a difference. Now, what year was Tank when you played him? Tank you remember? was a senior. He was okay. a senior, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yep. Tank Did he end up going, playing in college? Tank ended up going to Utah Dixie Junior College, and that's why the story gets even better because I ended up going to junior college. You went to... Santa, Santa Ana, right? Yeah, okay. okay, I remember that. And I ended up running back in the tank in the Pasadena City College tournament. Uh-oh. And told E. Mark, Eric, I said, man, uh-huh. now you know I'm not the type of person that don't like to pass or share the ball. But right. tonight, <laughs> I got a hidden agenda tonight, man. <laughs> that dude destroyed me when I was in high school. Right. So I, I didn't get MVP of that tournament, but I had like 24 points. You know, I balled out. And even Tank came up and gave it to me like, man, you done got better, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, thanks to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> I missed some meals because of you. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and then after that, it was on my way to uh, Cincinnati. But two years of junior college was the National Junior College Player of the Year. Champions, won the championship back-to-back, went 37-2 and two the first year, yeah. uh, 35-3 and three the second year, so. 
came here and started here. Yeah, and, and, and talk to us about the recruiting process from, from Santa Ana to the University of Cincinnati because I know you probably got some good stories behind that. Well, I had kind of – I had my whole mission and my desire once I decided or found out that I could play, I wanted to go to UNLV. Okay. Point blank. I was a Tark. damn right. <laughs> I was a Tark fan. Yeah. Love Larry Johnson and Stacy Augman. Stacy Augman was from Pasadena, so okay. played a little, got a little taste of him before he ended up going to UNLV. So I always watched them, and plus that's kind of close to home. Sure. And uh, it was just after that, all of a sudden I started getting letters from everybody, being a national junior college player of the year, and found out that I was going to be taking some trips. And the first coach that really showed interest in me was Rick Majerus. Okay. And he, he was, was at Utah, right? He was at Utah. Yep. He was the first coach that told me I, – I never even heard these words before. He was the first coach told me, you got a chance to go pro. Okay. And I'm like, really? You know what I mean? Me? Like, okay. And, and Rick Majera certainly wasn't missing any meals. No. Nah, now, <laughs> hey, now that's another thing. He fed the daylights out of me. <laughs> we ate like champs, and he was just a cool coach too. Yeah. Until I took a recruiting trip to Utah. Uh oh, man. <laughs> so that kind of changed my whole. Just be glad it wasn't BYU. <laughs> it was close to it. Because <laughs> um, he, he got uh, uh, Andre Miller. Yeah. Because Andre, Andre was Miller from Compton. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I just, where I was from in Utah, and it just wasn't a match that for wasn't me. wasn't a match. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of expanded my opportunities and options and got with Terry and Eric. We became real good friends. We played Terry. Because you and Eric were on the same team. Yep. Okay. And we played Terry in the championship game, our second year, our second year winning the championship. Right. And for, for those that are listening, it's Terry Nelson yep. that played on the Final Four team with you. And, and and Terry originally is from Long Beach. Yep. Right. Yep. Okay. And Eric is from West Covina, California. Right. Okay. So we ended up, after we got through playing, we would always, you know, back then everybody would go hoop at Cerritos College. UCLA guys would come, mm-hmm. USC junior college guys. So it, that's where me and Terry and uh, Eric got real close because after we would play, we would go eat. Right. And we just got to talking about schools, man, and, and which trips we were taking and all this. And I think Terry was the one who really mentioned, said, man, just imagine if we all go to the same school. And it was yeah, that kind of sparked the whole conversation because we knew we were getting letters from everywhere. And, and uh, I think Eric was saying, well, man, I'm, I'm thinking about taking a trip to Cincinnati. And I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> where is that? Right. You know, like, you mean WKRP in Cincinnati? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> do they even got a basketball program you right know, i'm just like i didn't have nothing i didn't know who oscar robinson was i wasn't a basketball junkie like right. that so i had no idea about it and he was like yeah i'm gonna take my trip to cincinnati and uh came back man i had went to i had went to tennessee mm-hmm. and when i came back uh, we were just talking how the how the trip was and he said he really liked it so we went and hooped again at cerritos college and terry said man i'm thinking about taking my a trip to cincinnati too and I'm like, well, that's where Eric just went. He's like, yeah, man, I'm thinking about taking a trip. And I said, well, man, what is, you know, Eric got to telling us how the trip was, and I, I never forgot. He said, man, it's a restaurant in the top of the gym. Mm-hmm. Like, I yep. just couldn't believe that. Like, yep. you got to be <laughs> you lying. Cats. Like, man, it is a, I'm telling you, it's a restaurant overlooking the gym. You got to see it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that, said, that passed for an attraction in, in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah. Corey, all about getting that food, boy. <laughs> I got to eat. So Terry was like, well, man, I'm talking to Coach Mo, man. And so I finally met Coach Mo. And he said the reason. Steve Steve Moeller. Steve Moeller, yeah. He said the reason they wasn't really on me because he had heard that I had pretty much verbally committed to go to Vegas and I was just going to be taking trips just because I could. And I said, well, man, if Terry going, I'd take a trip with him, you know, and come to Cincinnati for my last trip. 
And me and Terry came out here, man, and had a wonderful time. Yeah. A wonderful time. Met Mild Manor Coach Huggins at that time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally. Yeah. Like, man, I didn't even know that guy had a voice. And that's, that's, and that's why I tell people that off the court, oh, that's how he is. Man. Monotone. Put the five pennies on the table and was like, okay, Corey, with your ability, we can play you out. You don't have to take much pounding in the paint. You know, we run an open offense with your athletic cut to the basket. I'm just like, okay, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. And then when, once I got here, get your <laughs> Don't you ever step out. <laughs> so that was my experience, and that's kind of what brought us all here. You know, the rest was pretty much history. Once we got here. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, now let's, I want to dive right into this and we'll, we'll get into some Bob Huggins stories, but I want to dive right into the 1992 Final Four run and that, that season in particular. So going through this, you guys started off the season 7 and 0. And then you lose to number 12, Michigan State, yep. 90 to 89. That was at Michigan State, correct? Yep. So then you go on to lose a little bit later to Not Indiana. The Steve Smith game? Was that? Not the no, Steve Smith that's before game. me. Okay. Then you then you lose to uh, number ten Indiana at home eighty one to sixty. Yep. So over the course of the next thirteen games, you guys go eleven and two, losing twice to DePaul. Yep. Now I watched you guys every game. I don't remember too well the DePaul games. What happened those two games? You know, was DePaul that good? DePaul had a uh, they had a funny team, man. You know they had a kid named uh, Klein Smith. Was mm-hmm. on that okay. team, and then they had Booth and Howard. Okay, you know they were like six, floating between that six four kind of. I, I could I put it like this: they had like three Herb Jones on that team. Uh-oh. Herb was kind of like yeah, a yeah. do it all type of player. Right. You really would you look at him and you couldn't see him giving you buckets, but at the end of the day, you find out he didn't get you a twenty piece. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was DePaul's team to me. I mean, they weren't big. Uh huh. You know, they just they just had little spurts and they they played well on the, on the offensive side of the ball where they just scored when necessary. Yep. And I think one reason I know <laughs> for a fact why we lost two of them the first game. Is we played them up at the Rosemont Horizon, uh-huh. and it was like twenty below zero. I, I was, yep. Go ahead. I had never, <laughs> ever been in a temp, uh, uh, nowhere near that type of gym in my life. So I'm telling Hugs, I can't even feel my hands. <laughs> well, right. no need to say what his comments was right, after right. that, but yeah, that killed man. That was just unbelievable for me. I tell you, in in the years I played, I try to tell people there was nothing like going to Chicago and playing DePaul in the winter time. Yeah. Now, did it you guys was, play in Rose in that old the the first time we did? Oh, it, it was, was a, you know it was an ice hockey terrible. rink underneath. It was so floor. cold. I didn't know that. Yes, it was so cold too. We lost. We lost there. Been there. Yep. <laughs> so so after you lose to DePaul, you lost to him twice. You guys finished the regular season twenty three and four. Yeah. Now here, here's where things get really interesting. You beat Memphis two times in the regular season, mm-hmm. and then you have a third matchup with them in the championship game of the conference tournament and beat them. Right. NCAA start. Okay. So you guys first round beat Delaware. Then in the second round you beat Michigan State. Yeah. You lost to earlier. Then you beat UTEP. Barely squeaked by UTEP. And then it sets up an Elite Eight matchup again for the fourth time with Memphis. Yeah. With Penny Hardaway, yep. and I remember, I remember being a kid and, and watching all the NCAA stuff prior to that game. And Penny Hardaway, I don't know if you ever seen this, but they're interviewing him, and they ask him about the matchup with the Bearcats, and he says, "Man, I had this dream, and last night I had a dream 
that we beat the Bearcats. There's no way they can beat us a fourth time. Right. And I was nervous. Like, I'm watching. I'm like, oh, man. But you guys came out and beat them for a fourth time. How hard is that to play somebody not only three times and beat them, but four times? You know what? When I think about that year, that second loss to DePaul, right? Mm -hmm. When we lost to them at home, no coaches. We actually had a team meeting, stayed in the gym till about 3.30 in the morning. True story. We had a team meeting. We tried to figure out what the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? How could, how could we lose to this team? And from that meeting, I think that gave us the identity that we are not going to lose to anybody that we feel we shouldn't lose to. Uh-huh. And we worked every day with that philosophy. So now we're beating Memphis the way we were beating them. Uh-huh. And honestly, we were so happy that we was playing them again because we felt that we – had the keys to victory yeah, yeah. already. We had beat them guys already. And at this time, we was kind of had our identity and our strengths was defense. We knew, man, realistically, if we force some turnovers, there's no way they're going to beat us. Well, in fairness, you, you didn't beat them five times. <laughs> we didn't beat them no, four <laughs> times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I got a good story. So I'm in Orlando at AAU Nationals. I'm with, let's see, I have two teams. So I got a 16-year-old team and a 17-year-old team at the national tournament. Our seven teams are getting ready to play. We're about 30 minutes away. And I see all these people hovering around this one court. So I walk around the corner. I'm like, what's the deal? And they said, oh, Penny Hardaway is coaching a team. And I'm like, this was, I don't remember how many years back this was. This was a while back. So I go around the corner. I'm like, oh, man, it is Penny. So anyway, I go back. Our team plays. Game's over. And I'm walking around the corner. And Penny Hardaway is, is standing there with another guy. And I'm like, I'll walk up on him. And, you know, he was kind of. Had a, had a circle of people kind of keeping people back. So I walk up to him, and I say, you know, how you doing? My name is Alex. And he just kind of looks at me, and I said uh, – Called you a herb. No, I said, <laughs> I played basketball at the University of Cincinnati. And he just, like, paused and looked at me. Like you said, that's, he you. said that's right. And that's- I'm like, why is he looking at me like that? And then it clicked. Oh, man. And I went – I didn't play on that team. I was like, I didn't play on that team. He's like, oh, I was about to say. And so he, he gave me five. He, he was super cool from yeah, there. But yeah. I was wondering, like, why is he – it took me a while to, to, yeah. to process. I probably would have had a different approach, but yeah, definitely that, definitely a good dude. Yeah, that was a – that was a – that was that became a rivalry for us. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we when we went down there, it was – I had never experienced – that. to me, that was the true essence of college basketball when we walked in that arena. Uh-huh. That was it, a pyramid at that yeah, time. it was live. And the coach was um, he Fitch. passed away. Bill Fitch. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. And he passed away. So were they? They were Memphis State at yep. that time. Memphis they State. hadn't gone to just just Memphis. They should have kept the state. You like that? Probably that was dope. Them. That was with, with you know I grew up with with, with um, Keith Lee. Mm-hmm. And you know the oh te- yeah 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 the teams from the eighties was, was, was yeah. real good too. And then that was like a resurgence when Hardaway got there. No doubt. So so you guys beat Penny in Memphis State, and it's off to the Final Four versus Michigan in the Fab Five. Take us through that, that just that experience of not only being in the Final Four, but playing what a lot of people wanted them to be in a championship game. So, And I know Terry made some comments prior to the game, Terry Nelson. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, that game and the preparation. Well, you know, I, when, I, when I think back about that, I, I really felt I was the key to, to us being able to win that game, honestly, because one thing that they had was size. Right. I mean, their guards was six five. Right. You know, right. Jalen Rose was pushing six six. Uh, what's the other guard's name? Uh, Jimmy Jackson, six four. Yep. 
you know, so they had a real big team. They had Eric Riley, seven foot, coming off the yeah, bench. Yeah. Chris Weber, you know, six eleven. You know, so they were Jawan Howard, six ten. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of knew that I would really have to come play that game. Just me thinking of myself. Now, as far as the team, we were really thinking that there's no way that we are going to lose to a group of a bunch of freshmen. Right. I mean, that's as just did how, a lot of people. Yeah, during the, during the that's season. just how cocky we were. Like, man, yeah. ain't no way we're going to lose to them. And that's kind of where. Terry was kind of making them them statements because we didn't fear them for one thing, and we really thought we were going to be able to beat them. We knew that they hadn't really seen no defense like ours, uh-huh. especially full court like that. Uh, so we thought our pressure would probably give them problems. Uh, what we didn't think, uh, what we didn't understand, was the fact that they were just as you know you can see it on paper, but when you line up against them guys and and see that how skillful they really was at that that age, man, it was it was a great team. Point blank, everybody know the history of it, but. We really went into that game thinking that we were going to win. Now, my story, my personal story with that game is a couple games before that, uh, now UTEP, who did we play before UTEP? Uh, Michigan State. Michigan State. We had, uh, uh, what's the, the Valentine. Mm-hmm. I think that's the referee's name. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we had a little verbal confrontation based on a call he had made for me. And I kind of waved it off like, man, that's some, you know. That that Michigan State game. Yeah, yeah. Because he, you know, they started making calls. And I voiced something to him. He's like, I'm going to remember that blunt. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yep. you know, so what? You know what I'm saying? So and that's we come get. out the game. <laughs> I look up. There he is. Yep. Final wow. four. You know what I'm saying? Now, that didn't, that didn't bother me. But the first play of the game, we ran our drop five to me. Mm-hmm. I got the ball on the block and did a spin move. He called me for hooking. Yep. I was gone because I wanted to say something to him, but I'm thinking, like, he getting ready to screw me the whole game. Uh-huh. That just stayed in my, my whole my mind frame the whole game. So that was kind of my little situation with it. Once we started playing, uh, we, we opened up the lead. We came out. I think we was up by, like, 14 or 15 at one point. Nick was on fire, you know, and then during yep. the course of the game, I think their size kind of wore I got in foul trouble, of course, and they kind of just uh, ended up beating us by three, I believe. Now, if if you guys would have won that game, how do you think you matched up with Duke? Truth. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I thought we matched up better against Duke. But my whole thing after playing and, and being having a career I have, it, it depended on how the refs was going to let us play. Uh-huh. You know, I, I really think that. I just think for the games where we were able to play our style of play, a little physical, we were able to get away with it. But for some reason, I don't think, a team uh, playing against a team like Duke, they would have allowed us to play yeah. our style. And I don't think they would have beat us. You think Christian Leitner would give you that work? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have fouled out. I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't nobody really never give me no work. <laughs> I was known for defense. Remember that? Yeah, I yeah, wasn't no <laughs> so, but he yes, was a talented were. player. I mean, I don't know if he would have took me to the outside, but I'm, he definitely only thing he probably would have beat me, if anything, was, Probably in the paint because I can move my feet with the best of them in, at, at, outside the paint. So I don't know. I think we would. I'm saying we probably would have had a better chance of beating them than the Fab Five. Yeah, that's true. Could you imagine if you guys won the national championship? What I mean, and just and and help. And I've seen it, and I know it. But help for the people that are listening. Paint the picture of the UC fan base in this city's love for that Final Four group. And you know that, but and just imagine, and that's just the final. Four. I mean, imagine if you won the whole oh, thing. Uh, yeah, man, it would have been crazy. And the reason I say that is because I like to tell the story. When I came to the University of Cincinnati, I had never seen that C Paul outside of Cincinnati. Uh huh. 
when we started playing the way playing our style of basketball and getting the fan support from just basketball people mm-hmm. because they loved our intensity defensively, that everywhere we went, we started seeing the seatball, especially yeah. in California. Now, for that to happen was was all because so many people was pissed that we came to Cincinnati. They they actually thought that Hugs paid us to come to Cincinnati. Right. You know, he got three of the best junior college players from Cincinnati with no recruiting. That uh-huh. just don't happen. You yeah, know what right. I mean? So I'm looking at when I came here, the first real true sense of Cincinnati basketball for me happened when we were playing in the in the summer league games. The Devereaux? No, it wasn't the Devereaux then. It was uh, – uh, was it Devereaux then? It's been Devereaux. I, I thought it was Devereaux from the from the start. Well, it, it might have been Devereaux. Well, that's summer mm-hmm. league pretty mm-hmm. much. And uh, I would see the fan support there. They really didn't know who we were. So uh-huh. they, they all came out. Of course, they heard the hype, and they came out and supported us during that time. But we didn't have no no previous history of being a top-tier basketball program right, yeah. until we did what we did. And I think that was the beginning of a new era, man. And if we would have won a national championship. That would have been crazy. Because it would have mm-hmm. been, I think, 25 years since the last one. Mm-hmm. So that's 61, 61, 62. So thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would have been so it would have just been an incredible feat. Man. Wasn't it like a rapper? Somebody was rocking um C Paul, like Dre or somebody. No, I gave I uh, gave Tupac. Tupac. Okay, yeah, Pac, Cincinnati. yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, wait, yeah. wait, you gave what? Man, I, I ended up when you I was met in, Pac? Man, I used to This podcast has changed. <laughs> hey, man, I'd have hung out with wait. all them dudes. Wait, wait, oh, wait. Man, we gotta we gotta That's a whole nother story. <laughs> I'm extending the time on this podcast here. <laughs> wow. So so wait, wait, wait. So that picture of Tupac Man. with the C Paul jersey that hey. I that I post like oh, yeah. once a year. Yeah. Yep. You gave that to him? Yep. I'm oh. responsible. I'm oh, responsible man. for him having that. But also, I'm responsible for him going to his first Laker game. Man. I'm, res- I'm responsible for for I get around. I got footage of, <laughs> of, of me. Hit him up. I got unbelievable footage of the guy, man, because I was in L.A. and I was I had a film company that I had bought into. Uh-huh. Okay, and we had all rights to Death Row. I'm gonna just leave it like that. Okay, wow. So I had no idea, man. Yeah. You couldn't save the brother, man. Man, you, you could. <laughs> I was trying to save myself. <laughs> I was at home. <laughs> man, so. that is a. I, I, I'm seriously tripping, like. I had no idea because that when I first saw that picture of Pac wearing a Seapaw, no. I'm like, oh man! And at first, I'm like, is that photoshopped? And then kind of people were like, yeah, it's photoshopped. And then someone's like, no, 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 that's that's the real deal. Man, that's yeah. me and Nick, man. They jumped on our bandwagon, man. Once we hit LA, it was that man, is it crazy. Was repping at that time. So so so, what was Pac really like? Man, the few interactions I had with him, man, it, it was. That was my all. He was my favorite rapper before I met him. Okay, you know what I mean. I was a Pac fan from day one, and then for me to have that opportunity to hang out with Edie, I mean, and all those guys. Uh huh. I was in the studio. True story. Matter of fact, I just tweeted Edie about this. I was in the studio the night when Suge Knight had to unrelease all his masters, uh-huh. and they were bringing his masters in, mm-hmm. and his ma- they lined the room. These are songs that had never been even out yet. Okay. They lined the room. It had to be like a hundred and some different songs that hadn't even been released yet. Uh huh. So I'm just sitting here like blown away because I'm like, man, <laughs> these are songs that ain't nobody ain't even heard. Right. This is after he died. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is okay. after he died. So you like all this music coming in because Afeni had just won the, the, the rights to his music. Okay. And they was bringing the masters in. And Edie had called my cousin Ray and asked us to come to the studio to chill with him and he said, man, y'all y'all going to trip, but y'all came tonight. We're getting the Masters. And I'm like, really? 
<laughs> That's older crazy. man, man. Older man. So so did did you have a chance to chop it up with Shug? Mitch? Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got <laughs> I got some stories <laughs> about that. Oh, <laughs> I hey. have to tell you them off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you well, do. Well he always wore red because he was a big big Bearcats fan. Yeah. As we all know. <laughs> you yeah, gave him that red jacket. <laughs> Oh yeah. man, I was in LA during the hype, you know, the yeah. hype of all that era, man, and I was in the middle of a lot of stuff back then. Man, man that's 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 some history right there. I have to give you my copy of my documentary I did on on Pac Inch and uh, Biggie when they came. Out. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, please please do that and give Alex a hat. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let, let's talk really quickly, and I and I I. I Definitely want to get your thoughts on this year's Bearcat basketball team. Sure. Um, they're doing very well. Yep. The conference tournament starts up, I think they start Friday, right? And then the NCAAs obviously will know where they land on Sunday. What are your thoughts on this year's team? How far do you think they can go? First of all, they're 27-4 and four right now. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Right. There's, there's no other way to put that. That is an incredible season. Now, just imagine if they go on and win these next three games. Is it three or four? Let's see. They play. It would be three because they play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yep, championship so game will be Sunday. They'll be going if they pull that off. They'll be going into the tournament thirty and four. Yep. When the last time Cincinnati had a team like that? Been a while. It's been In a long nineties, right? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. So, to me, that right there shows the. It have to be a two or three seed, right? No, I don't think I don't think I think they'll be I don't know what get your thoughts, but I think they'll be a four. A thirty and four? That's yeah. what I'm saying. But they lost, but you gotta remember, and I think Mario, you agree, you agree with that? The four seat? Yeah. I, I think the, the loss, the U, uh UCF loss hurt them. Um But they'd be but coming in on the streak and, the strength, and, and somebody some of those teams above them gonna lose in that conference tournament, right? Yeah, you'd hope, but but strength of schedule. I mean, look at look at Xavier. Xavier's really kind of just fallen, right. but their strength of schedule. Yeah, that's true. It's like it's crazy. But yeah, tell me a team that has a record like ours that haven't lost to somebody they probably shouldn't have lost to this year. That, I think the parity in, in college basketball this year is not really a favorite team. You, well, right. When March Madness, you really can't say there's a favorite team, but I think it's a little more balanced. Seem like it now. Yeah. And if they're able to to do what they if we hope they do and win the tournament, they should be ranked higher than a fifth seed, man. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll be a fifth. I, or I think I, I I'm I'm hoping they're a three. I'm definitely hoping they're a three. I don't think they'll yeah. get anything higher than a three, even if they win the the whole uh Well the four whole basically gets you means you're a favorite mm-hmm. to to make it to the at least the second you were a sweet sixteen team, you know what I'm saying? So You would hope and if you're a they three that gives you that that second yes. game is a lot easier than, than if you're a four. And I think if they win that UCF game and then do what I think they're going to do and win the tournament, I think definitely a three seed. Okay. And then and then if somebody ahead of them loses a lot, you never know. But, yeah. but I'm just hoping that they will allow them to stay kind of close to home a little bit instead of Spokane, Washington. And, yeah, you know, uh, always. <laughs> and what do you think about mixed comments directed toward the uh, NCAA committee? I don't. Glenn, did you see this? Yeah, yeah. Not not gonna not gonna help out this, <laughs> the seeding process. Yeah, I don't think you do that right now. You know what I mean? Right now, yeah. After the season, do, yeah. Think, I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, Mick's not a dumb dumb no. dude. So he did that for a reason. Yeah. Whether people consider it the right reason or not, but well, he what was, he said was, I, I, it, there's I think, no doubt it's true. Yeah, there's no so, doubt it's true. Right. So the committee's like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But do they? Um, is, is there a um, 
a round in Dayton again this year? Because how does yes. how does Dayton does Dayton have like a, a, a are they paying somebody? Cause that, that, <laughs> you know, you know, I will say one thing: if you've ever been to University of Dayton, a, a, a home game, uh-huh. regardless of their season, okay. it is packed. It is sold out, but it's like not the as fan good. A, base in the Nutter Center, a way better facility. Yes, but the fan base in that UD area and just getting off the exit in so, the parking so is 20, a lot easier. Okay, I mean it is a very convenient place. The fan base there will go out and watch basketball. I okay. think that plays into it a little. I'm bit. I'm always wondering, like, like how does out of all the you know yes. Xavier has a top notch stadium now. You know, we, mm-hmm. we still have um, whatever they're calling Riverfront Stadium now. The third Bank of America. Oh, Bank. man, don't even yeah. bring that, that place that, up. that place is done. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Dungeon. saying, but as far yeah. as Dayton, Dayton always gets the dick gig. And it's like, well, man. I can say my first year we went there. And I, at first we were kind of ticked because we wanted to travel far. But it was the best thing that ever happened for us to be able to play. At, uh, and the fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah the fans. That's what I'm saying. That's the home court. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the committee gets that now that they want to keep teams that are especially the higher seed closer yeah. to home. Yeah, reward ticket them, sales. I mean, it's all about. But they the, don't never have a money. problem with Duke and. and oh, never. Oh, yeah, they, they always in Greensboro. <laughs> 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 so, I felt Mick. I, I, I thought he was correct with what he was saying. Yeah. Well. So, so do you think that this team is built to make a run to the Final Four like you guys did? Obviously, obviously, matchups is a big is a big key, and we don't Crucial. know their matchups. Right, right. I, I, one thing that I do like about this team that that I haven't really seen uh, in the past years under under Mick was the fact that he has a group that can finish and fight even when they're down. They can yeah. find a way to score the ball, right, with consistency. I mean, right. we we've, we've been ten down ten with. Three minutes left in the game, and last year or a couple years, you'd be like, "Well, this game is it's over." over. Yeah, so this turn- year, they had so many different uh, aspects on how to f- get somebody a shot and right. them able to make a shot that it kind of helped. They fought back, and even in the, the USF game, I thought mm-hmm. they were going to win that game yeah. the way they came back. Fell short, but that's that's what I see different with this team than I've seen in the past. Who do you think's the key? Like you said against Michigan, you felt you were the key, right? For them to make a Final Four run, who would you say the key is? He needs to play excellent basketball. Gary Clark. I'd agree with that. Gary Clark. 100%. But also uh, um, Kyle Washington. Kyle Washington is, is yeah. the X factor. To me. Now, let me ask you this. As, as, as a guy that you were power forward slash center, and with, with Kyle, it's so unorthodox, his shot. I mean, have you seen anything like that? Man, I love it. I love it, man. I, I I go nuts every time he pull that joker out, man. <laughs> I, I told him like, man, I love the fact that you get. I know what he gonna do once he get, you know it. He dribbling once he get to the middle, he getting ready to hook it. But to me, that is one of the best shots you can have lost as a start. post player. <laughs> it's a yeah. lost start. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, and it really is because yeah. I, I always tell kids like, what shot has scored more points than any other shot in the <laughs> yeah. the sky hook, right? Yeah. How about, difficult is that that no one like literally the leading score of all time math like surely there's more than one person on the planet who can master a sky hook. You can master. It, I don't even think it's about the mastering. You can hook it, but the consistency and the ability and the dynamics of how he shot it. Yeah, I don't think it can be replaceable. It's almost like the triangle offense. The triangle has won six championships or seven. 
nine championships. Yeah, yeah. But don't don't know other teams run it because you don't you have, have a person there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I got you, give me Kobe, Shaq, and, and Jordan and Pippen. Yeah, you can run right. it. You walk the ball. We up. can run the square. <laughs> but, just, but don't you feel, don't you feel, Corey, that the game of basketball is is changing in that there, there's going to be less of a of a big man presence in those moves. People are moving to the perimeter. Not if you learn to hook. Yeah. I don't even think. I think a lot of the guys, and this isn't even to the coaches. I think with the players, they don't want to play yeah, yeah. in the post. Yeah. No. If you if you were the same person right now at, at, at like seventeen years old, they'd have you on the wing probably. Yeah. I yeah. mean. Honestly, when I first got here, we played athletes in action. Yep. <laughs> the legends. I, I shot two three-pointers, right? And I swear they went in and out. Bing, bing, bing. Bing, uh-huh. bing. He called me over to the bench and said, look. <laughs> Never again. I, 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 I ain't going to say the words, he said, but that was the end of my ability to even step out there and shoot the ball. Yeah. He moved me from four to five a week later. <laughs> See, I, I got these little dudes that, you know, that I want to do that. Now, now imagine Corey Blunt in this era, you'd be a wing player. I don't know. And listen, like I, I, when you growing up, you'd prop, they probably put you on the perimeter. You're mm-hmm. long. Yeah. You're, obviously you're growing, but they would teach you perimeter skills. No doubt. Right. No doubt. And, it, and I, I had, I semi had that in my game, you know, yeah, you'd I, be I, like Rashad Lewis or somebody. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be that. <laughs> That's game right there. I don't know. I, yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, it'd be interesting. So let's jump into the NBA years. All right, you get drafted by the uh, Chicago Bulls, yeah. and, and, and talk to us about the feeling. You went twenty fifth, right? Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about the feeling of getting drafted, and then what happens from there. Well, with me, I ended up. Uh, I was like an anomaly, man. Uh, most guys was going to two or three workouts. Mm-hmm. I went to like nine. Okay, you know when I was. And, coming, and why is that? Because at the point, at that point, everybody was saying that I was probably going to be a second round pick. Okay. And Nick was going to be a first round pick. Nick was supposed to go like nine to Charlotte that year. Okay. And you know that's my me and Nick was like brothers, so we was always talking about the possibilities of even getting drafted, and we knew that his spot was pretty much solidified. I think because Nick knew his spot was pretty much solidified, he didn't have to go through all those workouts because he knew the team that he was going to, so uh-huh. to speak, and. Me, on the other hand, like, man, I don't know where I'm going to end up. And my agent was like, based on what I've seen you do, because I had played in the pre-draft camp games and different things like that, they're telling me, you need to just go keep working out, keep keep showing showing what you can do besides in the paint and different things like that. So I, I kept working out, working out, and I kind of increased my draft status. So uh-huh. it, it ended up, uh, i never forget it, I was in Phoenix at the pre-draft uh, camp, and Jerry Krause came up to me and was like, look, we got the seventh and the twenty-fifth pick. Our seventh pick, we're going to get this kid from it, uh, Croatia that that he's already under he's under our wraps. I'm telling you that right now. And that was mm-hmm. Tony Kukoc. Mm-hmm. He said, "But if you're around at that twenty-fifth pick, keep it hush. You're our guy. So if you even worried about being drafted, you're our guy. I'm telling you that face to face. Me and my agent was right here, and I'm sitting right next to him. Okay. So that kind of solidified me. like The Honorable so, Jerry Krause, yeah. <laughs> who, who, who never gets his due. Hey, you're right. So, yeah. so at that point, are you excited, or are you like, uh, is this guy full of – or is he – Well, me and my agent had talked about it, and he told me that I need – even though he said that, you still need to continue to go yeah, to his yeah. workout. Okay. Because you, know, you never know what might happen. So I ended up going to uh, Boston and working out and played well. Uh-huh. And they had the 17th pick. Okay. So I'm like, man, I think I might because it was me, Conrad McCray, A.C. Earl. Man. And some, I can't remember, but I was 
killing now. So yeah. I'm thinking like, man, I might go 17th. So we all at Hugs House watching the draft. Uh huh. Um, so we're we're expecting Nick to go at that eighth pick, and they didn't call his name. So my whole thing. And, and Nick's with you. Yeah. Okay. And I'm feeling bad, like, because we, you know, everybody watching the TV, and they didn't draft him before they got to my pick. So I didn't get picked <laughs> the 17th pick. They ended up drafting AC Earl. <laughs> and I'm like the guy you've been killing. Yeah, yeah. And, man, his feet went this way. Like, come on, man, this dude <laughs> ran on his ankles. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But so he went 17th, and then I'm like, well, okay, let's see what happens. So then uh, the commissioner walks up, and he's 25th pick for the Chicago Bulls out of the University of Cincinnati, and I just like fell back in my chair. You know, everybody was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, so I'm jumping up like, I'm a bull, you know, like, right, I did right. it, I did it. So. How, how nervous were you when they were saying, like, before they said your name? Were you like, it's a lock, or were you like, I, I was, uh, I, I kind of believe what Jerry said. Okay. You know, I, I guess you can kind of tell when somebody's just telling you something, but right. I really felt he was sincere with what he was saying. Now, I know something could have changed, so I was pretty much confident after I didn't get the 17th pick, like, man, what he said. You know, I didn't tell Coach Moore and Hugs what the conversation was, but I'm like, man, they said they might draft me at 25. And then when he walked up and said my name, man, we just went crazy. So now we're just waiting to see what was going to happen with Nick. Uh huh. And Nick didn't go to the third. I think he went 36. Yep. To the Lakers. Yep. Yep. And uh, I just remember him telling me, like, man, I'm just thankful for the opportunity because I'm gonna once I get to wherever I'm going, I'm gonna be able to show what I can do. I didn't have that kind of confidence. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. But they, y'all both got. Like nice cities in general, uh, like, you know. Well, he did. Yeah, you, you I'm get from to... L.A. I want to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's gotta... from Kenosha, Wisconsin. I go to his favorite. Team. <laughs> like, but you know what? I think that was good for Nick in a way because I think he had that. You know, when he came to Cincinnati, people weren't like, "Oh, Nick Van Exel's coming here to Cincinnati." Right. He was kind of under the radar type of guy. I think we all were. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that for sure. But I think with the NBA, I, you know, you know, part of it's I got to prove something. Right. How do you learn to ball in Kenosha? I'm like what? What's the what's the hope conditions in Kenosha? Man, and he was putting up numbers Man. up there too, from what yeah. I heard. Yeah, because that's one of those things you can see somebody just ball it out, and people just like, yeah. But the, what's the competition level? Like, yeah. I can't believe what what this is. Yeah, yeah. Now Nick was sweet, like like, <laughs> like, like, like Scott Drawed. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I got I got to tell you something about him later, but uh, and we got a chance to hang out with Nick the other night at the Bearcat yeah. game. He was back in town, yep. so I'm, I'm I'm sure that was good. Yeah, man, we'll we see him I mean, again. You know, as you know, we played with each other for the Lakers for three years. So we ran that city together, man. And then he ended up going to Denver. But we've always that's my that's my like my brother. Yeah, without you know, doubt. That's the thing about that team, man. I, I played on a lot of teams, but that team, those two years here at the Cincinnati, my two years here at Cincinnati, man, we had a brotherhood. Yeah, and literally meant it. Like we still all communicate, know where everybody's at to this day. Without a doubt. And, you know, the, the the funny thing is I look at pictures you post on Facebook of you guys together. That, that's funny seeing the old school gear. Yeah. The, the, the Raiders scully. Man, I, was, and... man, I was in WA, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I came in Cincinnati representing. Yeah. But, no, you, you can just tell. Yeah. You know, you, you, you could, especially for that time, that era, for there to be, like, pictures like that. Right. Because nowadays everyone's taking pictures with their phone. Right. But did you have a Jerry Curl as a kid? I did have a Jerry Curl. Well, we got you got to you got to put that picture up. Now wait, I'm glad you <laughs> said that. I want to talk about and, and and this is from me as a kid, that era of you guys coming in in the box. Yeah. Man, it was like 
everybody's box, their their their, their high tough eight had their own. It was a regional box. <laughs> Man, it was a raggedy box. <laughs> Nobody had a fade. Man, I'm looking at them pictures like, how they let us walk around like that? <laughs> at least it was Grant Hill's box. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact I used to get the clippers and just go <laughs> all the way around straight line samurai look. Yeah, <laughs> boy, that that was that was that was the look. I look back at those pictures. Man. Oh like, man, boy, yeah, yeah it was the, the, different. The, the, it was the different. clipper technology that event. <laughs> <laughs> So 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 tell us a little bit about that 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 Bulls you you, you get drafted to the Bulls yep. and, and so when you get drafted where are we at with Michael Jordan at that time Well Michael's they had just won three championships Yep um you know I'm man I'm happy as I don't know what because I know I'm getting ready to go play with the best you know they just won three championships <laughs> right. so I can tell you how I went for me like as soon as I signed my deal they flew me to Chicago um met with Jerry Krause he gave me two things. He gave me an envelope and he gave me a key card. And he explained to me about the key card. He said, this key card going to let you in the gym whenever you want to. Okay. Place is open 24 hours. That key card gets you in the locker room, everywhere you need to go. Was that the United Center? Yeah. Okay. No, no, that was the Birdo Center. Okay. That was the Birdo Center. And then he sent me an envelope with a check in it. Okay. So I didn't get to see the check, but he's still talking to me now. I'm here. After he sent me this envelope, I can't, I couldn't tell you nothing he said after that because I knew it was some money. In there. And he didn't tell me how much my signing bonus was, so I'm just like, it was like I'm listening to Charlie Brown's teacher. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, once he lets me out the door, I open the check. I got 125 grand. I'm like, boy, oh my and, god, and, and that's nine three money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I called my grandmother and told her, "Is there anything you need?" You know, oh, man, I that just changed my whole man, my so, whole life, man. So, so what do you do with a check like that? I mean, do you have to give ball. it to your agent or ball do you, out? Uh, obviously, ball <laughs> out. But do you go right to the bank with it? What do you do with I, that? I, well, I I didn't have a. Well, did I, I think I had a checking account. I went depositing in my checking <laughs> okay. account. Yeah, I by, mean, by, I, by hella cross hey, color. I was known to have like. Some cash in my pocket, though, but yeah. uh-huh. that wasn't getting ready to be put in my pocket. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that'd have been a bit much, but yeah, you just go to the bank. I deposited, man, and uh, so then it was just pretty much because uh, this was summertime. You know, it was just workouts. Uh, the thing about the Bulls, you had to get a certain amount of workouts uh, in during the summer, far as weightlifting and getting under their strength and conditioning guys. Mm-hmm. So I just bought into that, man. Worked out, and then I played. Found an apartment, so I got to know the city, played around the city, uh, played in their summer league. You know, and that's when uh, Scotty played and all these different guys would oh, play, okay. Ron Harper and all them guys. So yeah, yeah, it was just it was just a fun time for me because I hadn't seen Mike though. That's the thing because he was all over the place at that time. Yep. And this is a this is a true story too, man. One night I go to the gym about ten o'clock. I don't know what made me go that night, but I'm just going to get some shots up. And I'm in there by myself, and then all of a sudden the door opens up. I'm like, well, man, who is And I look over, and it's him. And I'm like, damn. He's like, young fella. I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, hey, welcome aboard, man. I heard a lot of good things about you. I'm like, thanks, thanks. I said, man, what you doing? I just came to get some shots. I've had some things to think about. You know what I'm saying? I said, man, that's me too. I just came to get some shots. Uh, you want to play one-on-one? You know what I'm saying? Whoa. He like, nah, nah, I'm just here to get some shots tonight. But you're going to have your opportunity. That's what he told me. You're going to have your chance. I'm like, all right. So <laughs> I'm thinking uh-huh. like, 
am I going to stay here and watch this dude shoot? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I would eventually went on like, come on, man, we got to play one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. So then he came back in. He was shooting. I was like, "Man, you sure you?" He like, "No, nah, I just, I just came to get some. I came to get some, some thinking in tonight, man. But you're gonna have your chance." So I go home and tell everybody I finally met Michael Jordan. Go back to L.A. When I come back, I get a call from Jay Cross. We got a mandatory team meeting. Lo and behold, he announces his retirement due to the death of his father. And what was the, what was the timing on that between him shooting around in the gym and it was about a month? It, okay. was, it was some time. Some time it went by. Okay, but I knew that's what because once I saw him again, you know, once we got to see each other, know each other, I'm like, man, that night you came in the gym, you know, that's what he said. Yeah, I was just you know getting some, you know, he said, he, he basically said whenever it's time for me to get something together, I use the gym. to get my thoughts together sure so right that was one of those nights i just came in there to focus and and then i ended up finally getting a chance to back my words up play one-on-one a few times i beat him once you okay know. did you really i did so correctly. okay 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 we're the not first letting, time we're not second letting, time uh we went we played six i okay i would have won too but man he, i can't argue against my yeah, yeah, can't, can't, can't okay charge so fouls you gotta remember <laughs> he only six six you yeah, know yeah. yeah you could back, him, back down. him down yeah, okay yeah. so so how'd you beat him you just backed them down. No, I mean I hit some J's now. Okay, you know, I, I could have, you know, I could, I had one you had a, step. Yeah, I mean, I you could, you were known for your mid range jump shot. Now that was later in my career. Uh huh. You know, early on, I was man dunk. I'm trying to drive to the basket. You right. Know what I mean, so I wasn't a slow big guy. So that's one thing I could do was was get to the basket, and we went back and forth a few times. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's peak Jordan. This ain't like Jordan, you know, like. Like beating you with guile. This is like Jordan when he's still, you know, hundred percent the athlete. Yeah, he was. He had been off a little bit. <laughs> okay, know, he, he oh, been traveling like, and all. Okay, okay, you okay, know what I'm you. saying. So he just came in to get some wreck in that day, and I. You supposed him. to play it up? You supposed to be like, yeah, no doubt. Like, that's <laughs> hey, what, I mean, that's what he was a monster. Yeah, well, I, I mean, cause I, that's all. I, you know, everybody that I play with, anybody that know me, and I played on a lot of teams. I used to love to play one on one. Yeah, uh-huh. that was my game, man. Play one on. Yeah, Shaq, Kobe, Mike, Scotty, but I think that's how a lot of us grew up playing one on one. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I I don't think kids today do that as much. I mean, it's because one of the things that's happened is kids today have access to indoor courts, indoor courts. (laughs) Yeah. Versus when I was growing up, there was one court you could sneak into. Maybe other than that, you had outside. You had to have a hookup. Like right. if you had an indoor court, you was balling just because of the opportunity. Like, yeah. Like like we got to go here because when are you gonna have another chance to right. play on like regulation rims and stuff? Yeah. And usually when you win, it was usually some older guys there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you know, had these to, kids don't get to play against older guys. Yeah. No more. You had to come right. early you know, or so, stay late. And when you lost, you <laughs> took it personal because you might not have a chance. You might not yeah, get, you it back get no on. run. Yeah. Yeah. I heard one, I think it was Hugs say that, like, these kids these days with AAU, they just get so used to losing because they know they got to play four more they games. Play, yeah, that's day. true. So losing don't really affect them like it affected us. Like, yeah, we lost, we off three or four games. Yeah, yeah. and you got to get picked, and if you ain't good, <laughs> and you just just standing there. Yeah. Like, yeah, yep. they, they picked the best players. And you lose, you don't eat. It's yeah. not like you speaking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> I just went home. <laughs> so... Um, one thing, one story I've got to talk to you about being a, a a huge Michael Jordan fan is the Jordan commercial, which I consider one of the great Michael Jordan commercials, the frozen moment commercial. And you were a part of that. Uh, but there's a twist to that, that story. Um, and if anybody goes on to YouTube and watches that commercial, it's a commercial for the Jordan 12s, you will see Corey Blunt 
in a Lakers jersey, but he's positioned somewhere on the court, and there's a reason he's not down low. <laughs> he's up higher at the free throw line when Jordan does the spin move, correct? No doubt. Can you can you talk to us about that? Well, when they first set, it, set the commercial up, I was supposed to get dunked on. <laughs> <laughs> By MJ. By MJ. And it's another story before that one that kind of kind of – I wasn't getting ready to agree to that based on the, the few games I had played and some conversation that we had before that. And it was all out of fun and games, but right. it really it really wasn't to me because I don't know if you remember the last game in the old stadium, uh, the cellular one, Scottie Pippen All-Star game. Yep, yep, 1994. Yeah, I had been talking trash to Mike. Like, mm-hmm. man, you'll never dunk on me. Yep. I, I'll never let you dunk on me. And his, his whole thing was like, man, you better check my resume. That's what he would always say. You better check my resume. Man. Uh-huh. You won't catch me, Mike. I tell you, you'll never catch me. Well, he caught me. He caught me in that game. So he ended up dunking on me and like, what I tell you? You know, chase me down the court. So then now my agent called me and tell me, yeah, well, they want you to be in this commercial. I'm like, cool. You know, Mike, nope. you- let, me, let me stop you real quick. Okay. That video is on YouTube. So if, if you go to YouTube and type <laughs> in the Pippin All-Star <laughs> Classic oh, yeah. 1994, Michael, Michael Jordan had <laughs> yeah. 52 points that game. And he's at the top. He's at like to the right of the top of the yeah. key. He makes a move, goes to the hole. Corey comes, help side. Yep. <laughs> MJ goes up, dunks it. And I'm gonna tell you what. One of the things that I loved about MJ when he played, regardless of what he did, he usually kept his cool and he didn't overreact. But when he dunked on Corey, <laughs> he goes, "I got you," <laughs> and you can see it on video. Am I right? Yeah. He yep. points at you, goes, "I." You got you. I told you I was gonna get you. What I tell you, I'm like, man, hurry, take the ball, hurry, take the ball out, man. <laughs> yep. So now we fast forward to this commercial where me and Sean is in the in the we was all in the uh, camper, you know, in this camper, uh-huh. and they laying everything out like, yeah, he's gonna come here, he's gonna come here, and then Corey, we want you to come here, and he's gonna finish right there. And I'm like, like what? Finish. With me right there, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, and I grabbed this up. The guy tried to say, "It's not really a. He's not going to dunk on you because we're going to, you know, slow it up right." There. I'm like, "Nah, I can't do that part, man." <laughs> man why? I'm like, "Nah, I can't do that part." So, Sean, me and Sean Rooks, I said, "Sean, you go down there because you're a center, you're a real center, and I'll play at top of the key." And me and Sean make the decision right there on the spot. Like, and there it is. That's funny. And you were <laughs> what were you four years in the league? At that point, yeah, yeah, about four years. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I just left Chicago. Yeah, yeah. wow. You you've got some. There, there, there's so many great stories, and I, I didn't know about the Tupac one. I'm still kind of stuck on that. But, yeah. um, so I want to talk about the Lakers years. So, you, so you get out get out to the Lakers, and, and, and what was that like going from Chicago, and then now you're back in your 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 home your home state. Yeah, with with me. And that's man. The, that's the team you grew up as a fan. Oh, so, man, so Laker, you, le- you left the, you left the Bulls. Before MJ came back, or did you? Did, no, was I was. The, I was were you there, there for the forty-five yeah. when Mike retired and came back? Okay, I right. was there two years, and 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 realistically, they didn't want. I wasn't supposed to get traded. I, that was me saying I wanted to get out of here because I felt at that time I wasn't being nurtured and catered to as much as Tony Kukoc was. Okay, because to, I mean, when you come, if for everybody who used to come watch our practice, we used to destroy Tony. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about just especially Pippen and Mike, but even in, you know even post drills, he just really wasn't that talented defensively. Yeah. Now offensively, he could 
do his thing. But defensively, he was he, – I remember Chick Hearns made a comment, like, Tony Kukoc couldn't guard somebody with a shotgun in his hand. You right, know, right. That's just how bad he was <laughs> yeah, yeah. defensively. But for him being who he was, they kind of catered to him. Yeah, yeah. He ended up being a phenomenal player. But for me, I would get my minutes, and I'm average. You know, I get my ten or twelve, get about seven, eight rebounds, couple. So I'm thinking, like, man, I need to play more. Uh huh. You know, so when the media comes, stick the microphone with Corey. How you feel? You play? I'm like, man, I play well, but I could be doing a lot more. You know, I I, I want to play more, and I don't never think I'm gonna ever be successful here in this triangle. Right, <laughs> you know, right. That was my whole, <laughs> can't face up and take nobody when I want to, and I would. That was my whole thing. So did Phil Jackson give you a book? Yeah. <laughs> You got you, you hit your there you go yeah he did give me a book that's another story uh, <laughs> I think I was one of the first rookies that didn't read it because okay. he gave me the Jordan rules and okay. I'm like man Jordan ain't even on the team no more <laughs> so, but I ended up uh, just telling him I wanted to get traded and me and Nick had already been talking oh okay yeah. Nick had already told me like man George Lynch is here man we could use you a lot better you know than George and I'm like well man you work your end I'm gonna work my end uh-huh. they called me like well where do you want to go I said man I want to go to L A and now how many times do they ask a guy, a 25th yeah. pick, you know, where he wants to go? And Jerry Krause said, look, you was drafted by me, and I want you to be successful. So where do you want to go? I said, I want to go to L.A. And they made it happen. I think they traded me for a pack of cigarettes and a, <laughs> a, a girly magazine or something, but <laughs> they made it happen. And uh-huh. once I hit L.A., man, it was just I'm at home with my family. Oh, man. You know, it, was a, it was a gift and a curse. For yep, me, you yep. know, okay. because it was long nights when it shouldn't have been long right. nights. It was a lot of uh, partying and, and being places where I probably shouldn't have been. But that was home, man, and I was young. Who was on that Lakers team? Oh, uh, man, when I first got there was uh, Nick, Eddie Jones, Elton Campbell, Cedric Sabalas, Vladdy Divock, Anthony Peeler, Sedell Threats. Uh, I think that was – Okay. And, and some other guys. Was that the Cedric Sabalas, the – when he did the dunk competition, he had no, was that, that, he that was, was in Phoenix. That, okay, that, that was Phoenix. This was the Cedric okay. was years when he left okay. in the middle of the season because Magic had came back and started kind of hogging up some of his his celebrity status. And he <laughs> jetted during. Oh, he, that, we didn't know where said was that. He just left. Said wasn't having he that. He was on a boat somewhere. <laughs> yeah, wow. So that was during that that time. Okay, but we had a good team. You know, we yeah. had a, a real good team. And then the next year. Uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry West made the announcement, like, man, I got this kid coming. Mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all, man, this kid is special. Yep. Wait till you see him. Yep. And I'm like, uh, okay, you know what I'm saying? I know how to you over, overhype your draft pick. not, But you're supposed to promote him, so to speak. And uh, next year, Kobe came, played with, you know, that first Shaq came, which was just, oh, my God. That was just another story in itself. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know if you ever – I'm a big dude, but when you see somebody that big, that athletic, that skilled, I don't think we'll never see another Shaquille right. O'Neal. No doubt. No yeah. Doubt. I mean, he was very. I think everybody everybody says that. Yeah. In the game. Yeah. So you know those were so it was Shaq, then Kobe came, and then you know the other pieces came along with it, and Derek Fisher, and so I, my four years in L.A. was we, we was winning. We just lost in the playoffs to Utah. And mm-hmm. Had a couple tough losses. How real was that beef? With Kobe and Shaq, mm-hmm. it was real. It was real. I mean, it, it was a couple. I, they really don't talk too much about it, but it was some punches thrown a few times. Oh, wow. Wow. More than just a slap, I put it like that. It was some combos in there Yeah, where we kind of had to – I know I was one of the guys that 
grab Shaq. Like, man, chill, man. And that's a big dude to grab man, and like, say man, chill. I'm tired of this dude running his mouth. And Kobe didn't back down, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it came. It got to a point where, young fella, man, you better chill out. We ain't going to be holding this dude too much longer. Because <laughs> oh, he stole on him. Like, oh, that's as hard as you can hit you, big, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, <laughs> you know, grab him. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It was during pickup ball. So, you know, they had their issues because Kobe, Kobe came – Kobe was the most confident 18-year-old that I ever seen. Never. <laughs> Not yep. just but confidence, but he worked on his game, and he was a professional at that age. Yeah, yeah. That's what I used to always tell him. Like, there's no way I could have handled this with the maturity that I've seen you handle it sure. at that age. But Yeah, he came in like <clears throat> like business. Like well, I think Eddie, he, uh, Eddie Jones was an all-star, remember, that year. Remember Eddie yeah, Jones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He would kill Eddie Jones during a walkthrough. <laughs> Jeez. A walk through, a shoot around. Whenever he got a chance to prove that that was his spot, going for his throat, he went for his throat, man. But you know, I, I think with Kobe, with his father and all the travels overseas, I think he taught his son. You know, this this is how things go from a professional standpoint. So I think Kobe had the edge on a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the fact that he lasted so long in that draft, like I, I never understood those, those cats in the '90s, the GMs that just didn't get like, look, the top high school player. Is going to be the number one pick probably in two years. So just jump the gun and get the dude. You know what I'm saying? And they mm-hmm. weren't, they, especially somebody who wasn't the center. That wasn't the mind state back then. It was like, like clearly, clearly Kobe Bryant is, is gotta be be tight. You well, know what I'm yeah. saying? Honestly, I think it had a little situation kind of like with Ball's dad. You, okay. you know him saying, "My son is gonna be a Laker." Right. Yeah, it's I like, think that that was happening back then for Kobe. Okay, that's why they were so pissed when Charlotte drafted him. Yeah. Okay, you know because they had already put it in the works. Like, man, he's going to L.A. Okay, and and that's kind of how that went down. But you're right. I mean, he was. He so did was he just force his way out of it? Is that that the story? That well, is? he didn't have to force his way out of it because uh, they were able to work it out. I mean, yeah. we gave up Vladi Vladi Divac. You know, Vladi Divac and somebody else went out of that that trade, but. Oh, George Lynch. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So they we gave up some pieces, but man, I, like I tell everybody, I was there at the first summer league game when he came because we had already started. We were averaging about four thousand fans at a Long Beach City. Uh, it was the pro summer league. Okay. Kobe came first game had thirty six. Whoa. Average thirty six the rest of the summer league, <laughs> and we ended up having about seventeen thousand fans oh, at the wow. summer league game. Oh, wow. So. He had it from day one, man. No no doubt. No doubt. Started his career on a made free throw. First points. Ended his career on a made free throw. Yeah. Yep. So tell us. Uh, and, and gunning profusely throughout the <laughs> Yeah, he was. That last game. <laughs> man, let me tell you. I got to tell you this story. So we okay. you know, we all go back for that. Me, Gary Payton, Ellen Cameron, Cedric Cabalas. We all in the room. And I come up with the idea like, man, let's make a bet and see how many, how many shots the young fella go get up. Because he's still young fella to us. You know uh-huh. what I mean? How many shots young fella go get tonight? In, in, the, fir- in the NBA game in the or the summer game. league? No, the F- final, final game. Oh, the no, final, final game. game. Okay, okay. So we, like, everybody put up 50 bucks, wrote down. I put down, he probably get about 25 shots. You know, Elvin <laughs> said, like, 22. You know, everybody was in their 20s and 30s. <laughs> and GP come in, like, man, what y'all doing? I'm like, yeah, man, we better to see how many shots Kobe go get. He's like, how much? Pot is about 600 and something dollars. He's like, he put his fifty dollars in. I'm putting. I'm saying fifty. You know, he just threw it in. I'm saying fifty. You know, I don't know if you know GP, but he's another character yeah, yeah. himself. So yeah, <laughs> that's a long story short, man. The dude shot the ball fifty times. Crazy. Wow. And you were at that game. Yep. 
And and didn't you meet Kanye West? Yeah. Was that that game? Yeah, met Kanye. You took a picture with him? Yeah. Gave him a UC hat. With my son, my (laughs) Kendrick Lamar and everything. Give him a UC hat. We didn't give you like mass UC hats whenever you meet somebody. Hey, I wasn't a big big Kanye fan like that. Okay. It was just an honor, you know, being able to meet him. How was Kanye? Was he cool? He was cool with me, yeah. Okay. Okay. He was cool. I mean, I made him take a picture with my son. You made him? Because he doesn't like doing pictures. Yeah, I know. I could tell. I'm like, man, take a picture. He was like, "Ah." man, come on, take a picture with my son, (laughs) Debo. We flew all the way out here from Cincinnati. All right, man. Okay. Yeah, play for the Bulls. Sure. You grew up watching me. And you saw uh, Kendrick? Kendrick, yeah. He's a pretty nice guy. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah, yeah. There was a bunch of celebrities in there at, at that game, man. Now what's what's the guy's name? I always forget the real estate guru, the the crazy dressing dude at the Lakers game. What's his he's name? He's at every well now he's at every Clippers game, but he used to be at all the Lakers yeah. games. Yeah, yeah I, his, I can't think his name. But you know what I'm talking. The guy you wear the, the cat, the hat, the and, crazy hat, the leather pants, the older cat. Oh, okay, I know you talking yeah. about. But the one dude, who's the dude that always sits next to uh, um, um, Jack Nicholson? I don't know. He's a uh, um. He's he's a music producer. Um, this this real big, yeah, that, yeah. I don't that, know. Like for back, in, he always has the glasses. Like like coolest eighty year old dude on the planet. And junk. Like he'll he'll make, he'll just be be kicking it with with Jack. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Like, I'm, man. I always see that 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 cat with the the hat and the leather pants. I'm like, and okay. I, I saw a video of his house in L. A. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's weird, man. So j- just going through your uh, career real quick. And correct me if I if I get any of this wrong. Played for the Bulls, Lakers, Cavs, Suns, Golden State, Philly, back to the Bulls, the Raptors, and retired in two thousand four. Went back to L.A. and then retired. And then retired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Finished with the well. Finished with the Lakers. Yeah. A journey. 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 A lot of restaurants. I did a tour of duty <laughs> in the NBA and met, ate at a lot of restaurants. Yep. The best stop? For me, L.A., no doubt. Okay. No, that was home. First or second or both? As far as? The, 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 best, the best time. Was it the, the first L.A., second L.A.? Oh, definitely the first. Okay. You know, being out there being with, with Nick. Nick and yeah, yeah. You know, ain't nothing like being in L.A., having money, having a little fame, and able to pull up to the club and valet your car right in the front and Get you and your boys in, man. It's just a whole nother level of celebrity out there, man. It's pretty much my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now let's 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 jump into um, after after basketball. And you and I have talked about this a lot. And one yeah. time you came out and spoke with with our kids yeah. um, in my program. <clears throat> I think you've done a great job with talking to people about what happened. Right. And in two thousand eight, you were arrested. Yeah. For possession of 29 pounds of marijuana. 29 pounds? 29 pounds. That's a lot of, that's a lot of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> That'll hold Mario for what, two weeks? Two weeks? <laughs> now, the, 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 uh, the police confiscated three vehicles, yep. three guns, yep. and $29,500 in cash. Yep. And on May 13th, 2009, the day after my birthday, May 12th. Shut up. You were sentenced to one year in prison. Yeah. Okay, take take us through that situation. What was going on? And you've talked a lot about this, so I, I'm not. This is not anything that you're uncomfortable now at this yeah, point. Yeah. This is gotcha journalism. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I mean i I had just retired, man. And when when you're at that phase where you're trying to figure out what your next move is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, I had 
went real strong and was doing very well in real estate. Mm-hmm. I owned $2.4 million worth of property in Los Angeles, California at the time. Hmm. And I was doing that, and I ended up uh, getting a call from Coach. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to come coach uh, at UC based on they had just fired him. Coach Coach uh, Hugs. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, you know, when I when he first asked me, I'm like, are you serious? There's no way I'd show up at that school based off what they did to you. Uh-huh. And he was like, well, you know, and I, I knew you would probably say that, but I, I'm, I'm asking you to do this for the guys that's there right now for me. Okay. I think you'll be the one that can uh, be well-respected with, with what you're doing and so that so let question. me let me paint this. So so Hugs gets fired and and no one's there. They're looking for an interim coach. Well, no, somebody's... Andy Kennedy was there. Okay. Oh, so you were gonna go help with Andy? I was there. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I was gotcha. there with Andy. Okay. And uh, you know, he said Andy's my guy, man. Right. And I think what's needed is for someone like you to come in and and kind of get these guys hope and let them know that they still have a season to play. Blah blah blah. They had lost like two two or three games before I got there, and so I left my project in California to uh-huh. come you know, coach here at UC. Mm-hmm. So at the time, uh, this is right before, uh, this was around 2004, you know, so my project was still developing and I'm coaching and working at it, being concerned with what's going on out there and I'm going to school at the same time because I wanted to get my degree while I was here. Right. So I'm doing all that and uh, make a long story short, I ended up, uh, Andy Kennedy ended up leaving. Mm-hmm. I ended up starting to get active and doing things here in Cincinnati. Bought a sports bar, mm-hmm. you know, started uh, finding properties around here to purchase and buy. And was just going, just doing a lot at the time and not really focusing on who I was at that point. And the reason I'm saying that I'm getting to this, once I own that bar, uh, people come up to me and my thing is, my interpretation of individuals is, I'm going to respect you as if, if you, I, I'm thinking you're going to respect me just as, as much as I respect you. Mm-hmm. I don't judge nobody. You know, I let you dictate who you are as a person. That's just who I always been. But my problem was I never could always figure out ulterior motives, you know, just because, you know, you coming to me as a friend, that don't necessarily mean you're not trying to gain some kind of benefit from my friendship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're going in an athlete and you got people are coming at you constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No so doubt. you almost feel obligated to help people. Right, you know, and and that's you know, I never hugs. I remember hugs through this at me. He said, "Man, something's gonna happen to you because you got a good heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you ain't no punk, but you got yeah. a good heart. You always feel you got to help people, and that's probably gonna get you in a situation." I never forget him telling me that. So it was a guy that I befriended, who I was in my inner circle that I really trusted. Like this dude was a real good friend of mine, and he was the one responsible for doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Now. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't have a clue what he was doing. I just didn't understand the level he was doing it on. If you look at my situation, they didn't catch me with anything. Mm-hmm. They, The package was being sent to a rental property of mine, okay. and one was sent to a, a house, uh, one of my other houses. In Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Okay. The other thing was that I had held something for this guy okay. at my house. So, make a long story short, I, he had gotten some situation, and he just kind of, told him that I had something that was his. Mm-hmm. Well, it was some more coming, and I ended up being the one that's like, okay, my my people call me telling me it's something there with, that's for me, and I'm like, there's no way it's for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not doing anything. Go to the house, got somebody else's name on it. Well, when I think I'm going to take this back to the post office, boom, next thing, boom, 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 police hit, everything. Yep. So they sit me in the room, and they telling me they know, we know this not yours. You know, we know you're, 
you're holding this for somebody. Who is you're holding it for? I didn't know. You know, I I just couldn't. <laughs> that just ain't me. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting ready to say anything. Sure. Because I don't know the level what nobody is playing on. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got a family. Right. So because I chose to go that route, I had to uh, suffer the consequences of my actions and end up going to prison. Uh, gave up a lot. You know, was really scared because I knew I had worked my butt off to establish uh, a reputable uh, image around here. Yeah. And definitely flashback about what this was going to do to the university. Right. You know, right. So I was really in a, in a, in a, I was in a messed up situation. You know what I mean? And how old were your kids at that time? Uh, my oldest was 13. Well, no, my oldest was 16. My second was about 13. And I had a seven year old, a five year old and a three year old. I think, yeah. Somewhere around the majors is flying by so fast. <laughs> they were young. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So it was a definitely impact. My wife, you know, she was a, she was shocked. I mean, she thought we was getting punk because she had no idea that this was even. Yeah. Going on. You know, there's no way you doing anything like that. Have you ever heard the story? And, and tell me if this is true, that the investigator or a cop that was watching you or keeping an eye on the situation was a huge Bearcat fan. Yeah. Have you ever? Is that true? Yeah. I've heard that for like years that he was a huge, and it just broke his heart. Like yeah. that's true. Yeah, man. The crazy thing about it too is I met him after. Yeah, like, like yeah, and he just he he. I don't want to put put nothing out there, but he pretty much said, "Man, you you were in a bum deal." You yeah, know, point blank, you were just in a bum deal. Yeah, I've so I'm long. like, well, you know, guilt by association more so than anything. Yeah. That's why I'm roll with Alex after hours. Man, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my question is this, and this is this is me speaking of, of a guy that has a basketball program and work with kids. You going through this situation, and based on your kids, 16, 13, 7, 5, and 3 at those ages, when you get out or when you're going through that, what do you tell your kids? It was it was tough, man. You know, the thing the thing that I think that I can reflect back on the most was the fact that my kids never seen me with anything. Mm-hmm. Marijuana, never seen me drink. You know, I wasn't, nobody seen me smoking weed. You know, I, I right. just wasn't who I was. So for me to get caught up like that, I would always tell them, man, you have to choose your friends wisely. Mm-hmm. And don't think that you have to be a part of something that you don't want to be a part of, or this will be the, the outcome. You know, that was my message to my kids. But I I look at it like when you when you're, in a situation and you are getting just just so many people coming at you, man. I mean, at, at least that's how it was for me. I met, I think I'm an approachable person. Yep. And, I, and, I, and like I said, I treat everybody the same. So I probably let some people in my inner circle that I probably shouldn't, and it taught me a lesson. You know, I came up with this saying, uh, in good times your friends know you, but in bad times you're going to know your real friends. Mm-hmm. And when I got caught up in this situation, it was some, people that really knew who Corey Blunt was, that knew that this wasn't who I was and supported me where I was able to not shoot, almost kill myself because I was just that distraught that I had let all these people down and, sure. and had this situation come about. But I was able to just get through it based on it wasn't me. You know, this just wasn't something that I had had the desire to do, had been programmed right. or been participating. Mm-hmm. So I just told myself, man, I'm not going to be known for my biggest mistake. No and, doubt. And just was able to bounce back from it, man. You know, I don't know how happy they were. 
that when I came home, I walked in the gym at Cincinnati. You know, I don't. You know, I could. I can kind of t- tell Mick was a little hesitant to just open his arms sure. to me. Sure. But you know, to me, that was like that was my home. You know, that was who I identified with. And if I couldn't get no love there, I knew it was over. Yeah. yeah. And I had to sit down with Mick, man, and he told me, you know, Corey, I, I heard about what happened. Man, I'm hoping the best for you, and, and you're welcome around here anytime. That meant a lot. Yeah, sure. Because you know, I was – Hugs wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. knew Mick was the new guy that was coming. And when I came back, man, for him to do that and, and tell me that, man, it just – that's what really gave me the motivation and the courage, you know, especially with the support from my wife and my family. But for him to say, man, you know, you're welcome around here anytime you want to. Well, what I what I most admired about how you handled the situation was when you got out, you went to different media outlets and and didn't get on there and and cry foul. You went and said, "I messed up. Yep. Here here's my deal. I need to do I need to do right. Yep. And I'm I'm going to get my butt in the community. And I think a lot of people respected you. If they respected you before, and I I think you've always had that good name. Right. I think they respected you even more for how you've handled things because every everybody I think to a point you know in, in some ways messes up with different things maybe the extent of how they mess up is different um and, and some people just don't want to own up to that and I'll never forget when when it all went down and you got arrested my father said no way like he was just like no way right one of one of our other teammates or I'm sorry one of our other Bearcat brothers uh, went to went to jail or prison, whatever it was, and I think my dad said, "Yeah, I can see that." Right. But with you, <laughs> yeah. I think you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. But with you, my dad just shook his head. He right. was just like, "No, right. it's it, that's there's just no." So I, I definitely applaud you uh, for the way you've handled that and getting out in the community. You came and spoke to to our kids with with my program, and I think did a great job yeah. uh, with that. Uh, I've got two more things uh, for you real quick. I want to do – in our uh, show, we have a blast from the past. Okay. We do a song or artist. And I want to have a blast from the past song. And I want you to uh, – and you don't know this song, so everybody's listening. He doesn't know this. I, I want to see if you remember this song and what this song means to you. Okay. I did a little research. Okay? So Mario, our super producer, why don't you go ahead and hit it up? <laughs> I know it. You know, I'm an idol. I'm an idol. Numero uno. I'm not a Puerto Rican, so I speak so that you know. I'm not a Puerto Rican, but I'm speaking so that you know. Special ed, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know why I picked this song? Because our high top phase back in the day. When you guys were making that trip from California to Cincinnati, driving the car, I heard that you guys were listening to this song a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> Terry was telling me that. Yeah, I could be, man, we, I don't know if you saw my last uh, Facebook post. About the shoemaker and the... About when we came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a box of uh, tapes from the Sloss and Swap meet. That I <laughs> Which is closed down, by the way. Yeah, did you know that? Yeah. yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, it is. That is a, That's a shame. <laughs> that is. That was. You, the, you could take fifty bucks and and leave there with a lick. Oh man. Yeah, I've I've, I've got to look. There've got to be pictures of this place. I've heard so much about. <laughs> well, and I'll let you get back to the, when I went out to L.A. last trip. Yeah, I said I got to go out there. 
And everybody's like, it's closed. I'm like, no, no. So I drove there. Yeah. And it, it's it's closed, man. Yeah. It broke my heart because I wanted to see when it. When did it close? Uh, a couple years ago. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That place meant a lot. That was part of my history, man. I mean, whenever we wanted m- music that wasn't at the stores, you uh. know, we went to the Slauson Swap. <laughs> yeah. All the mixtapes and all that stuff was <laughs> at the at the Slauson. That's man. just another case of Amazon t- <laughs> t- yeah. taking the little guy. Man, pen. definitely. They took out, out JCPenney's. Well, the now, thing now about slots Amazon, slots. you can't get no fake Louis Vuitton and stuff like yeah. that you get at the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Like> Gucci <laughs> watches and Gucci hats and all that stuff. You guys were fresh for school. Oh, you went man. there and got, got everything for school? Man. So you Airbrush said, jackets and everything. <laughs> they would airbrush them right oh, there? Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. You ain't know? Living life, man. It's big time. Get all the fake jewelry and stuff. Fake jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> Turkish ropes. Y'all don't know about them Turkish ropes. <laughs> So you're saying you bought a bunch of you had a bunch of tapes and stuff? I was a music guy, man. Okay. So uh yeah, I, I was And you were a rapper back then. You rapped a little bit. What was your rap name? Cool Ice Man. <laughs> man, that's a dope name, man. Y'all laughing like that. See, if I, I was am. Cool Ice Man right now, man, I'd be <laughs> Did you have the airbrushed on a jacket? I had that airbrushed on a jacket, oh, wow. on oh, my jeans, man. <laughs> hey. We gotta get that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the times, man. Now you you remember your verse? Yes. Okay, you yeah. ready? Oh, uh, you want me to hit it up? I want you to hit it right now. Well, I'm gonna tell you about me. I'm cool ice man. One ton of fun with the master plan. I'm chilling on my throne. I eat ice cream cones. I get paid every time I rock a microphone. And I'm here to win. So forget my friends, cause I'm brown skin for my lady friend. I mean, I'm six six with a big. <laughs> Leave it at that. Right? Oh man. <laughs> That was a little other up. part of it, but that was my rap, man. I used to say that <laughs> you, all the time. <laughs> and you, you went from corner to corner yep. dropping that verse. Man, I went through the phase. I was a rapper, then I was a beatboxer, then I was a break dancer and a pop locker. I mean, that was just, that's who we were it's back just, then. Just the culture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Y'all remember the Fat Boys? Oh, no, of course. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we're, we're music heads. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. about uh, Steady B? Oh, Steady yeah, B, yeah. Philly's music. We we're really? gonna do a documentary on Philly's music. Okay, Steady B. I read up up on him. There's a mini He's documentary. Still in jail. Yeah, there's a little um like a mini documentary on on went down with Steady B on, on and YouTube. Cool C. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That you the robbery. Hear a good song. Use me by Steady B. <laughs> Come on now, we're, we're on that. Serious. That is the cut. Yeah. I always thought the coldest DJ setup was was Tat Bunny. He had like a big T-A-T uh-huh. when he was DJing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My Steady B was in Remember front of me. He, he had the, had the, the little, Nerf bombs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a D. Oh, man. So, all right, Corey, give us your best Michael Jordan story. My best Michael Jordan story. Hmm, my best one. Let me see. Well, that was definitely one I told you earlier, but one of them is – as I remember when he had came back, this is right when camera phones started coming out. Okay. You know, <laughs> okay. And every, you know, now this is the, this is the best part of it. I was there when he came back. Okay. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. Yeah. I was there when the greatest player in the history of the game came back. Okay. So it went from us having a nice following to the whole world was following. <laughs> right. Me. Right. I needed <laughs> security. <laughs> Seriously. They were stalking my hotel room they were trying to get everybody wanted a piece of this dude and camera phones that just came out Uh-oh. and i can remember we were sitting on the bus was this the flip phones with the, with okay. the little no doubt. <laughs> okay. yep man and people now our windows is tinted uh-huh. they couldn't get nothing but the bus right 
<laughs> they're holding their cameras up to that dark tent, uh-huh. clicking them phones. So I know when they got home, all they saw was the black glass. You know what I mean? But right. just, I'm sure. And I was just, I was telling MJ, I said, man, a lot of them people just happy to say, man, I took a picture of this glass and Mike was somewhere in that <laughs> <laughs> Probably had it framed and everything. So it was just, it was crazy because we couldn't go nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was one of the most, most famous events that I ever been a part of. I was there when Magic came back out of retirement. Okay, it didn't compare nothing to when MJ came. Oh, no doubt. We couldn't like go nowhere, Beatles. man. It was. It was like traveling with a with a rock star. And and was it the Pacers game? Yeah, that he came back and he wore shorts backwards. Yeah, yeah. And he wore that forty five yep. jersey. But the other good thing about it is the night when we went into Boston. I mean, in New York before he had the fifty five. Okay. He was getting dressed, and, and you know, this, I wasn't playing that game. And I'm just, you know, I tried to talk to him while I could. I'd be like, I said, man, they, they, I'm sure they excited as hell that you back here. He said, yeah. He said, I done had some of my best games in here. And he said, uh, he said, watch watch what happens tonight. So I'm like, okay, you know, what usually happens, you can get about 20 or 30. He gave him 50. I had never seen nobody. Now, you got to look at this. I had never seen nobody get 55 points in a game. Uh-huh. And he did it, and I'm just like, man, he just gave somebody 55. <laughs> right. And that was a that was, And the Knicks was good. Man. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's coming back, not yeah. having gone through a, a training camp. Man. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give y'all some undercover exclusive stuff, okay. right? We like that. We like that. <laughs> right. Now, when I got there that year when Mike left, right? Mm-hmm. BJ Armstrong was all star. Yep. Horace Grant was all star. Mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen was all star. Yep. The only reason they were able to do that is because Mike was gone. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm thinking, like, man, I know they can't wait for this dude to get back. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. It was far from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They on in front of the cameras. Yeah, we want the great in real life. Not at all. They didn't want him. To Not at all. Not at all, man. man. Wow. Not at all. I mean, I, here's a story. I was on the, sitting next Don't to Don't say Bill. that about little B.J. Armstrong. No, nah, no, nah, Bill was my uh, – B.J. was my guy, but Bill Cartwright, I, I'll never forget. I was sitting on – he was icing up, and I came over there. I'm like, I said, Bill, man, what used to think, man, when Mike would come down, float between two people and float in, throw that thing up, man? You was there with some of the best shots in the in the history of the game. I said, what you used to think about that? Bill said, I thought it was bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, huh? He said, yeah, because usually me and horses was wide open underneath yep. the damn rim. Oh, wow. <laughs> no doubt. If you go back and watch those YouTube videos, yeah. Cartwright's wide open. I'm like, well, I guess that's a, if you're looking at it on a personal level, <laughs> I guess that does make a difference. Man. <laughs> man, you were there for so much, so much history. Played with a lot of good players, man. It was a good era of basketball, too, at that time. Yeah. Absolutely. So so quickly, before we uh, kind of bring things around and, and wrap up, tell everyone what you're doing now. Well, you know, my, my story is I was, I was the first one in my family to graduate from a four-year school. Nice. And I, and I got that from my great-grandmother. Uh-huh. That was a promise I had made her. When I came to the University right. of Cincinnati. And I'm I, the first one not to graduate in my family. <laughs> oh, we got to get you a clothing line called not graduate. <laughs> so so I ended up, uh, that's when I came back to the university and got my degree, man. And from that moment, I was just so proud because I knew I had broke a generational curse in my family. Yeah. 
So right. I wanted to create something that kind of resonated that all the time, that feeling that I had. Mm-hmm. So I started my own clothing line called Graduate Apparel. And I, I've talked to you plenty of times about it. Yep. You know, and that's that's the thing. I'm not a, a clothes designer or, or had any kind of idea or passion for clothing at that time. But I knew I wanted to create a T-shirt line or something to reflect the concept of graduating and how, how it makes a difference and why it's important. So mm-hmm. started doing my research, met with some people, and uh, pretty much put this apparel line together. And from that, I started going around to certain schools. Started at the University of Cincinnati where I did my first shirt. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I started going around to schools, kind of pitching the graduate apparel concept. And from that, uh, those meetings, I was able to establish some relationships and start supplying schools with promotional products and different things like that. So ended up doing uh, graduate promotional products at the same time. And that has been the vehicle for me to go out and promote the importance of graduating the young kids and different individuals to to show their pride in their education right. also. So it was it started off as a in, acknowledge and inspire. We mm-hmm. wanted to acknowledge those that graduate and inspire those who haven't. But then over the years, then went to uh, believe and become. You mm-hmm. know, pretty much the same premises, but, you know, we want you to believe that you can do it and become a graduate because we understand that that is a graduating levels the playing field for a lot of people. Oh, no doubt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It gives you access the whole college experience is just one in itself where I wish everybody could experience it. And not just having a success athletically, but just the camaraderie, the networking and all right. those different things you do. So that's what I, I work. That's what mostly I work on now, promoting my brand, graduate apparel. And, and from that, I'm uh, able to go speak and do different things through the graduate concept. Absolutely. Well, I want to a couple things. I want to applaud you for what you're doing now. Thank you. Thanks. And also thank you for being a part of that group that I think led UC basketball to where it is today. Okay. Obviously, there were great teams prior to that, but the energy that your team brought. It was, it was a lot of uh, lean years, years from before y'all came back. Well, I, always, I always say, you know, growing up, my, my favorite player, and Glenn, uh, Glenn knows this, it was Roger McClendon. Um, yeah. I grew up watching Roger. I, I loved Roger McClendon's game, and he, he really inspired me to to want to play for the Bearcats right. originally. Um, but watching the 1992 team, your team, really made me go, I need to make this happen. Okay. A dream to – I went from a dream to I'm going to make this happen. And so you were part of that group, so I want to thank you for that. Oh, no doubt. And, and, yeah. and your blood, sweat, and tears and all those guys. Well, I'd be remiss not to give your dad a shout-out. Oh, okay. A, a lot of people, you know, you really don't understand how important Mr. Meacham was for us. <laughs> Honestly, man, I mean, he was somebody that – I was comfortable going to talk to with dealing with Coach Hugs, yeah, you know, because it really wasn't nobody else shoulder to cry on at that time. Absolutely. So I was able to really go to to Mister Meacham and like, and man, that look, hair of his. Oh man, always been a good looking <laughs> dude for one thing. And I was, you know, we had some real deep conversations, yeah. realistically, and, and a lot of it had to do with me being able to cope with and understand where I was at, and Absolutely. then also the academic side, also. So. Definitely got to take my hat off to him, man. He's well, one of my you. favorite persons in Cincinnati. Well, thank you. Always showing respect and love when I see him, yes, as, you, do. as you know. Yes, you and do. I think a lot of guys do. So well, thank just, you. just want to give him a shout-out. I appreciate that yeah. very much. I will share that with him. Yeah, no I'll make doubt. sure he listens. Yeah. And um, thanks for, man, giving that shirt to Tupac, man. Man. That's crazy. Yeah. I we, think I, I, I guarantee you. Most people don't know that. Man, you're going to go crazy when I show you this footage I got. I got, I got to see that. I'm telling you, I got some 
never before. Well, I take that back. YouTube done kind of exploited because I done posted stuff on there. Oh, uh-huh. okay. I got a lot of stuff, man. I mean, I, I invested in Blackwatch was the name of the TV okay. show at the time. And, you know, we was a, a local cable show that we did. And mm-hmm. I was into that. And it, it allowed me to see and, and interact with them guys on a level that a lot of people didn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, appreciate you having you on the show. Well, man, I've been trying for the longest, man, every time I see you. So I'm, I'm honored to be here, yes. man. You know, anything I can do to support you, you know, I try to help, man. Thank you, you. Likewise. You know, we've had some good talks, man. Absolutely. One thing that I do respect about what you do and how you do it, you do it with class, man. Well, thank you. Everything you do, man. So, you know, I'll continue to success, man. And if there's anything I can do, you know, I'm just a phone call away, brother. So I appreciate that. Let me know. Absolutely. Thank All you right. very much. Yep. Glenn? Yep. Any parting words from you? Amen to the roof, man. (laughs) (laughs) Want to thank everybody for listening to a special, special edition of the No Further Comments podcast. And I think you got some gold nuggets tonight. So appreciate everybody listening. We'll be coming with some more podcasts soon, Glenn. Hey, that's what I hear. Hopefully we can get more guests like Corey. I don't know if they can live up to that. Yeah, that's just going to be a tough one, man. Absolutely. They better bring their pock stories. (laughs) (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.